right, so we are back with the final episode of Last Choice TV Reviews, House of the Dragon. Uh, this episode was crazy. I'm super excited to kind of jump in and uh, give my thoughts. And of course, this week, uh, while Ender is still out, we bring back Fire the Cannon from our uh, Blue Jackets and Ohio Sports podcast, the 614 and beyond. Uh, so we're super excited to have you here again, Jason. Uh, so Jason, let me just... Kick it over to you. Tell me uh, your initial thoughts on this episode. Uh, this one, this one blew me away. <laughs> I know there was a lot going on, and um, I, there was some obviously some stuff that we didn't expect. I didn't expect to happen, um, and then you know some stuff that we finally kind of got around to. Um, I got to see the, you know, not to give too much away before we talk about it, but we got to see the cool table. Uh, you know, with the, um, I think it was dragon glass, dragon glass, right. Mm. Um, all lit up with the fire and stuff like that. And, um, that was super cool. Uh, you know, last time or last week we talked about some, uh, interesting, an interesting scene. And there was another, in my opinion, brutal, brutal scene. Um, so it, it was a couple brutal scenes actually, if you ask me, uh, but man, th this one, this one was, um, this one was wild. I, I, I can't wait to yeah, get into it. But I, I was just, yeah, I'm like, I was already ready to go. I'm like already ready for, uh, <laughs> I don't know how long we have to wait for the next season. I haven't looked at it yet, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go already. Yeah. The, the cliffhanger, I mean, it definitely, it, it's it set up really, really well. And it's the first time we're left really wanting more and feeling like, when is it going to come type deal where before so far every kind of cliffhanger was really answered really quickly for us. Um, right. So let's jump right in. Uh, you know, you, you go over to Dragonstone and the first scene is Luke. He's kind of touching the drift mark symbol on the map. Uh, this is the same map room where his brother Jace was trying to learn the high Valerian a couple of episodes ago was struggling with it. And he was kind of questioning on whether or not he could ever do this, whether he could be a leader and we've got the same thing here, right? Luke is questioning, you know, the sea snake can sail and I can't even be on a boat without getting seasick. How am I supposed to take over Driftmark? What am I supposed to do? Um, they should have just let my uncle have it. You know, of course, his, his now stepdad slash uncle. Step, mm. I, I'm not really sure what the relation is there with Damon, but obviously he cut, he cut his head off. So that's not possible. And um, I, I found Rhaenyra to be very comforting to him very much like we saw uh, Jaceris do with her in the earlier episodes, right? She was uh, questioning whether or not she could be the heir. And a couple of times uh, her father as the king acted as her father and really encouraged her that she can do this and, and let her know what's going on. And it seems like that's what Rhaenyra is basically doing here with Luke. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, she was basically being a mother, right? I think it's probably one of the first times we've ever seen her be, a mom, you know, um, it was a nice scene, you know, I'm with, with her, you know, re reassuring him that, uh, you know, she wasn't ready when, um, when her dad named her the heir. Um, but she decided to earn it and, um, yeah, she earned it. And it was a nice, uh, it was a nice scene, you know, the, yeah. she, she's kissing him on the head and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad, so I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. What I um, found interesting is as the audience, we know that she doesn't know that her that she 
her she just let her father's dead. She doesn't know the right. king's dead, and she's trying to give this advice. And we're just kind of like she's given all this Uh-oh. like motherly advice and advice how she's like she thinks she's ready to be queen now, and we're just waiting. Obviously, mm-hmm. we all assume that Rhaenys is probably flying her dragon to go meet uh, Rhaenyra to tell her Dragonstone. We're just waiting for that to happen. So it's interesting to see the scene as a viewer knowing what's coming. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, it kind of they just kind of jumped right into it. Um, just you know, moments later with uh, Rhaenys um, showing up and and letting them know, uh, letting her, you know, letting know that her her dad was dead. So. Uh, yeah, we just kind of jumped right into it. It was, uh, it was, yeah, the whole, like the beginning, I, I actually really liked the beginning. I just like kind of, you know, they kind of went from soft, like we just talked about to, all right, it's time to, uh, it's time to rock and roll. And unfortunately, you know, she got the unfortunate news about, about her dad, but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's you knew it was time to rock and roll, man. Exactly. The next scene, Renice comes in and of course, um, Rainier, she just thinks that Rainice, Rainice is, Princess Rainice is going to give news of the sea snake. Uh, once he's gone, they hope for the best. They're, they're wishing all, all is well. Um, she does let her know that he is kind of awake and he is sailing, they think, towards Dragonstone or Driftmark. They're not really sure yet, but they're going to reach out to him. Um, and Rainice just breaks it down and says that Viserys is dead uh, and that they they crowned Aegon and I found it interesting because she starts to look like she's in pain. Right. And she's like, kind of like almost having like a panic attack when she realizes, what do you mean? Aegon is King. I was just there. Like you got to imagine two or three days at most have passed. Right. And she's like, right. She's trying to process her dad's dead. And then already without even reaching out to her, they've already crowned Aegon King after just having this like, from her point of view, this heartwarming moment with Alicent and her father uh, reconfirming the dagger and all that stuff. But um, Jason, break us break break down a little bit of uh, Damon's reaction here. When wh- what's his reaction with Rhaenys and and about the king dying and Aegon? Well, obviously he he I mean almost immediately decided that his brother was was murdered, right? Yeah, so absolutely um, murdered murdered and um, and you know the green team or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. The, greens, um, the high towers. Uh, yeah. They, 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 and you know, bypassed everything and, and inserted, uh, you know, Aegon on, you know, gave him the crown or whatnot in which, you know, he's uh, obviously he's thinking traitor and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, you could see it like in his face, like he immediately was, he had this look in his eye that mm. I was, I was like, Oh, uh, you know, and then he came out and said, you know, there's, you know, he was murdered, you know, they, they, they slayed him. And, uh, I don't know, from that point, it was just, it was like, you know, you could tell that he was immediately thinking it's time to, it's time to go to war. Yeah. He's, he's ready to jump into war. Now, of course we, we jump a little bit ahead and Rhaenyra clearly is in pain. We're all kind of uh-huh. thinking like, Whoa, what's happening? She's having the baby. Of course, one of the maesters or somebody says, well, it's not time. And she's like, well, it's coming. Like, I don't, I don't know what you want me to tell you. The, the baby is coming. And of course she goes into the other room and there's this back and forth scene where Damon has now assembled a, um, I guess they want to call it the black council maybe. Uh, Cause before it was the green council with the high tower. So he's starting to get the, you know, some of the leaders there in Dragonstone and they're, they're starting to put, look at the map and they're starting to decide who should do what, who the allies are and what they've got. 
and it and it's back and forth with him and Rainier, and it's going into the room with Rainier because they can hear her screaming. Right. Right. Yeah. That was and, that was pretty odd. And what were you? You know, I'll I'll give a little bit more context here as it's also it's cutting out to Luke and Jace who are training out on the beach, and you know, Jace is just punishing Luke, putting him down in the sand, telling him he's not ready. And uh, of course, this might be a little bit of foreshadowing going into the future. Now, Rainice comes out and says, your mother needs you. She wants you right now. The boys go up into her room and she's just, again, an excruciating pain. But one thing I've always thought was interesting about Rainiera, we saw this when she gave birth to Joffrey, where the queen demanded, you know, she wanted to see if it looked like you know, Valerian or not. So she demanded to see the baby. And of course the queen, the, you know, princess Rhaenyra walked all the way across Kings, mm-hmm. you know, the red keep straight to the queen's chambers, like a badass. Like she did mm-hmm. not care. And you can see this is going on. So as she's having all this pain, she tells her two sons, their grand, you know, their, their, um, I guess, grand, yeah, grandfather. Sometimes it's hard to, to know who's, who's what, who's related and how here, yeah, but yeah. he's, he's the king is dead. Uh, they've made Aegon king, and she basically tells Jace that, like, I don't want any decisions to be made until I'm done with this baby delivery, basically. Right. And and she doesn't want anyone making demands. So she basically sends Jace into, she knows, I think she's smart enough to know that Damon's probably seconds away from, like, starting war right now on her mm-hmm. behalf. And uh, and right, rightfully so, coming from Damon uh, Damon's side, I understand where he's coming from. But uh, what's what's your take, kind of in this see, scene as it's going back and forth and getting the kids involved? Yeah, that it was um, hearing seeing them all at the table and hearing her screaming was just you could see the looks on their face. They're they're like, oh my goodness, what you know, what is what's really going on. Um, and you could, t- it, I don't know, it's almost like he, I, I couldn't tell if Damon was annoyed by the screaming or if he was genuinely, um, genuinely concerned. But that part was a little, uh, yeah, it was the going to back and forth. And then, you know, like, like you said, with the kids going in there and her, you know, telling, telling them that, you know, their grandfather died and then, um, you know, don't make any decisions and this and that. And then on the way, you know, on the way out, um, it, it felt like she said, if I don't make it, you know, you're, you're, you're the, you know, you're the next in line right before he walked out. And then that obviously that's when he walked down, um, to go to the, um, to the council with, uh, with Damon, obviously. And, and then, uh, that's where we pick up no, with, uh, yeah, no, I like how Jace basically tells Damon to stand down and Damon mm-hmm. kind of looks at him. It's almost like he, he kind of respects what he's doing, but he's kind of hoping he can just ignore it. Right. So he, he he says, oh, well, it's good that you're here, young prince, because I need you to get on your dragon and patrol the skies. And Jace doesn't back down, right? He he sticks right to it, and he tells him, uh, did you hear what I said? And and Damon does, at least on the surface, it does look like he backs down. Mm-hmm. Now, the next scene, I'm going to let you jump into this, because Damon has some ravens sent off to probably work on some allies. And then he tells Jace to follow him, and he's going to teach him about loyalty. Now, what happens in this next scene, Jason? Yeah, you know, he takes the he takes uh, two members of uh, the White Cloaks, um, uh, Sir Laurent and uh, the other. Well, I, I apologize, I can't remember the other guy's name. I don't think I've ever seen him before. Yeah. Um, takes them out, and um, 
you know, he gets them to re uh, basically reswear their their fealty to Renea under the uh, under the threat of um, um, what what he's how do you put it um, dying in you know dying while screaming or whatever, um, and they, and they reaffirmed that you know that they they were uh, they were with Rainier the whole time and and then that's when he his little well his big dragon uh, comes up over the uh, over the rock there and and you know. Essentially, uh, I, it, it sounded like they were ready to, you know, fulfill their oath anyway. But I think that was definitely a, a cool part for me is that, you know, he kind of uh, used the threat of being torched um, as a way to get them to, you know, reswear yeah, their... Yeah, he, uh, he basically... Yeah, I mean, the dragon was, was in a sense... Well, I agree with you. I, I think they were already ready to confirm their loyalty for Rhaenyra. I think they were set there. Um so I don't know if the the dragon was 100% needed, but I found it interesting that, that Damon gives them a choice, right? He says, you can swear your oath again anew to Rhaenyra right now, and we're good. Like, we're good to go. Or you can state that you're going to be with Aegon, which is fine, and I will have my dragon burn you right now. Or... You can say you're going to be Rainier with Rainiera, and you're just going to, you know, to save your ass, basically. But if you plan on saying that you're with Rainiera now and then later turn into a traitor and turn your back on us, your death won't be so easy. I will make it excruciating. You know, he's not going to give them a quick right. death. He's, he's, he's going to drag it out. And I think that was something that, that he just really wanted Jace to see the right. power that the dragons and how they really can can push people around no that's exactly how i i looked at it is like he was basically um like, like you just said it like hey we we have all these dragons right i think at one point he was like you know naming them off we have all these dragons like this is how we became this is how we got our power essentially to begin with mm -hmm. and so let's 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 keep let's keep on keeping on you know so, yeah. so to speak with the uh, with the dragons yeah and they do, they do, as this episode will go on, if you count all the dragons up that are alive, they do have more dragons. Right. Um, of course, Al Allison's side, the greens have Vagar, which is going to be a problem. But uh, mm -hmm. there, and there's also, for those that think Vagar is the largest dragon, he is not. There is a dragon on Dragonstone without a rider. He's unclaimed. And that is um, the largest dragon in Westeros as of right now. Now, we cut in, of course, HBO in all of its glory. We've got to have our disgusting scene. It's either a disgusting sex scene or a disgusting just graphic scene. And this week's episode is Rhaenyra giving birth, I guess, what you'd call a stillborn. Mm -hmm. And the the bedside nurses, they, they keep begging her to let, let them help. And Rainier is like, no, I just need to get this child out of me. I have heard that in the book, she refers to it as a monster. And then there's something about possibly it's uh looks like a dragon that comes out of her. But remember the book is technically supposed to be the words from someone's recollection of what happened back in the day. Not actually like fact as, as the show is supposed to kind of be with George R. R. Martin. It gets kind of weird with this, but that's from what I understand it to be. And she pushes on her own, standing up, literally reaches her hand up and palms this baby out of her. 
there's just blood everywhere and it's flops down on the ground and she kind of collapses and uh, and all they show is legs so now you're not really sure they definitely give you that at least i don't know what you think i i thought for a brief moment that like i'd hear crying just the way because they because they showed the legs first and they looked somewhat normal Mm -hmm. and then it kind of pans obviously to the rest and she picks up this stillborn and she's holding it and just obviously distraught and super torn up. And I mean, I don't know if we need to really go into more detail when it goes into this, but that was kind of how, how it breaks down. Um, yeah, yeah, that was, that, that was, um, that was, that was pretty brutal. That was a, that was a pretty wicked scene. Yeah. And then of course <laughs> you see Damon walks in, he sees what's happened. He understands. Now, what I thought was interesting, the next scene they cut to and you see the baby being wrapped up, obviously, to be burned as, as the Targaryens do. But it's not the silent sisters that we've seen have been doing this in all the other episodes. Uh, Rhaenyra does this herself. And again, I thought that was just another testament of just what an... Uh, I mean, the performance Emma D'Arcy puts into this character and, and what they do, I, I think uh, they do a phenomenal job with this. And you just see this badass side of Rhaenyra again that's just like wow this I mean she's not even letting the, the silent sisters do this she's doing this herself um, exactly yeah that was yeah that was um I don't know to me it was it, obviously she was distraught you mm-hmm. know what I mean and uh but yeah to see her doing it herself was kind of I don't know it was obviously an awesome scene but that particular an awesome turn of events but that particular scene was pretty um that was pretty strong, I think. Just you know, because most people are not, you know, gonna do her, gonna do it theirself. Yeah. But she wanted to, and like you said, I mean, it was just, it was pretty badass. Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, we leave that. We cut to we're outside. They're burning the baby. You can see everything. Uh, I found it interesting. I didn't really see a dragon there, uh, somewhere up on. The, you just see it burning. So I'm not sure if mm-hmm. they dragon, if they did a Jakaris, or if they lit it themselves. And you have this somber moment. You kind of see everyone around. All the kids are there. Uh, Princess Renice is there. And lo and behold, here comes Eric. Well, one of the Erics, one of the twins, the one that had left his twin brother. You basically, he was trying to get Renice out of King's Landing. They got split up during the mob, everyone getting rushed to the dragon pit. And uh, Jason, I'll, I'll let you break this down because this is a pretty significant moment. Um, we saw, I want to remind everyone, we saw Aegon get crowned king. He has the crown of Aegon the Conqueror. He has the sword of Aegon the Conqueror. He does not have the crown that the last two kings have worn. Um, and, and especially uh, Jaceres, they, they didn't take that crown. They wanted to show dominance in King's Landing using Aegon the Conqueror's you know, king setup. So what do you see here with uh, Eric as he comes up? Yeah, so obviously, um, Eric, I think it was Eric with an E, by the way, it was the yeah. E, uh, <laughs> um, shows up and, and, you know, obviously, you know, the guard immediately turns around and, and, and kind of confronts him a little bit. And, and it's clear that he's there for, you know, a reason. And as he's walking up, you know, I'm, I'm, I seen the satchel around his waist and I immediately thought of, I don't, I don't have any idea why, but I immediately thought of the crown. I was like, Oh, oh wow. Here, that's this, a good, is, this, this is a good call. I was I, not prepared. I, I said, uh, he, he, I seen it. 
And then as he, um, he, he bends, you know, he gets, he bends the knee essentially and, and starts, you know, saying his uh, oath or whatnot. And I was like, wow, they're about to crown her queen right here and there. And when she, she was still, she had that distraught look on her face, but you could tell when, um, when, when um, Damon grabbed that crown and he looked at it, um, it was almost like a, for me, for Damon anyway, it was almost like a, I don't want to say a soft moment for him, but I think it was kind of a different side. Like he understood, like, this is really about to happen, you know, where um, my niece wife um, is going, <laughs> is, is, uh, is about to wear the, the crown that, you know, my brother and, you know, and, and my brother wore. And he's staring at it. He sees the dragon. He's like, man. And then that's when he just kind of turns around and, he, you know, obviously walks up to her and puts a crown on her head. And, and then when everybody bowed uh, and got down on the knee, the look on her face was, I don't know, for me, it was like, man, th- th- this is actually a pretty awesome moment for me. Um, Cause I think it finally hit her like, damn, like I, this is it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah I agree. Even though, even though she knows, even though she knows that, um, you know, there's technically a king, you know, that was, uh, that was sworn. Um, she, she's ready and she's about to be the, she's about to be the queen. And I think this whole moment for me is seeing Ray niece in the back and standing there with, with the look on her, with the look on her face. I, to me, her whole, I don't know, from, I gotta be honest for the first, you know, little while of this show, I didn't know what to think about her. Um, but now I think she's really coming into like, she, you could tell she's proud to, to, to see essentially a, a queen that's, you know, that's in charge, so to speak. Cause you know, obviously she was up for it and <laughs> didn't yeah. get it. So, um, but yeah, so I, I don't know for me that, that seeing her stand back there and everybody kneel and then the look on, um, Rainier or, uh, yeah, Rainier's face when she was crowned was just for me in that scene, it was, it was pretty sweet. You know, uh, I'll give my couple of thoughts real quick on this scene. Uh, when Damien was first taking the crown, I had reminiscence of uh, when he had the messenger come to the narrow sea and give him the message from his brother, and he beat the living shit out of him. I was like, right. I, I was like, please, Damon, just Eric is here to be on your side. You need swords, bro. Don't don't kill this guy. Don't beat him with the crown. Yeah, please. I, I, I was terrified of that. But I, I think that's a great call. You're calling out uh, Rainice. I love that you bring that up because, you know, she still is under the pretense that she truly believes. Well, she's angry about her grandkids that are strongs. Um, she's angry that she believes Rainier and Damon killed her son. I mean, we know that he's alive. The audience knows he's alive. But, you know, they they don't know he's alive. And... um. Uh, but I do agree with you. Uh, let the past be what it is. I think she finally looks at this moment and she sees Rhaenyra as a good woman and a mom and that she might be at least open to the idea that Rhaenyra might be what's best for the realm. And I, don't, I, I agree with you. I don't think we had seen that before. Now, the next scene, you alluded to this in your opening and what you thought about the episode. I thought this was cool. You see them. You have all these candles, right, on on this kind of griddle looking thing and they're lighting all these candles and you see them lining up the swords and it's like okay they're getting ready for war and Rhaenyra you see the cameras panning and she's kind of walking in you know she's probably going back to the 
to the map room and you, you get these, at least for me, I had these shades of uh, Daenerys as they're getting around back in the old Game of Thrones and how they're about to prepare, how they're going to take King's Landing. And I, so I know that's where she's walking to. And then all of a sudden you see these candles get pushed on the floor and they, Jason, I'll let you take, I know you're super excited about this. I'll let you take us through. What, what is, what is the purpose of all these candles? Uh, yeah. So they put the, 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 you know, the candles go underneath, um, this big, uh, table, obviously the dragon glass table and, um, through, uh, the magic of fantasy LEDs, um, <laughs> uh, i.e. the candles, um, it kind of, it, it just made it come to life. And it was in a giant map of, of uh, you know, of Westeros and every, you know, it, I loved the thing. That thing was, that thing was pretty awesome. The, just the way that came kind of came to life and, and glowed and, um, and then, you know, that's when they start bringing out their trinkets and their little, um, I heard, I read, I read somebody call them tchotchkes. Um, if you, if you know that, if yeah, you know yeah. that word, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, anyway. So, yeah. So just to see those on there and just to see that, that map glowing and and just the whole I, honestly i like the whole room <laughs> you know it's huge mm-hmm. got the giant the fireplace with all anyway um no i liked I, it, that was yeah I, I love that table that thing is awesome you know uh, it was really cool how it lit everything up uh it really mm-hmm. like you said it was really awesome now, of course she steps in with the guards and damon says your grace and she i, I found this a little bit funny i i don't know exactly 100 percent what the purpose of but he says, your grace, and she starts to walk towards the map table. Obviously, we're going to have this meeting. And the four guards, like, start to step with her. <laughs> and she yeah. turns around and looks at him like, bro, I'm going to be fine. right there. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, and they it's just fine. have, to, they don't even look at her. They just have this, like, okay, we'll wait here. Um, so I thought that little moment was funny. Now, of course, Raina walks right up to her, hands her a glass of wine. Uh, obviously she's doing what she has done for Princess Rhaenys for the last, you know, her handmaiden, uh, which is what Rhaenyra used to do for her father all those years. So mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. She looks right at Rhaena and says, you know, come with me. Basically, okay, you handed me the wine. Great. Come to the table. And then she looks at uh, Damon's other daughter and also acknowledge her, tells her to come to the table. She looks at her grandmother, uh, Princess Rhaenys, and she nods. And, and they go in, and she just says, what is our standing? And then it's just the episode, really, in my opinion, it takes off here because all these guys are just, this is what we have. This is how many soldiers we have. These are who our allies are going to be. This is what we need to have. I mean, I was like, holy cow. Like, so, And they're all, basically everyone in there is ready to go to war. We're right. with you. This is treason. We need to go take out the high towers and end this blasphemy. Um, so let's count up all of our allies and, and it's almost like a game of, you know, who, who can have the largest numbers, which allies are we going to have to, who's on the fence? Who do we think we're going to have to turn? And it's funny because the whole time Rainier is just kind of a little bit like her dad. Sometimes, at least initially, I find her to be a little naive. Cause she's like, well, what are you talking about? All these people already bent the knee to me years ago. And they're like, well, that's not really how it works. <laughs> right. So yeah. essentially everything looks like it's going to come down to, they don't know where Driftmark's going to go. They don't know where Rhaenys and the Sea Snake are going to go. Um, there's, you know, Rhaenys is basically, has been urging, urging the Sea Snake of uh, Valeris to be neutral. Like we have the largest fleet. We don't have to pick a side. We can be neutral. Let them deal with this shit, and we'll just stand off. And Rainey's, you know, that's what she said to Rainier at the beginning of this episode. I'm here. I'm not picking a side. 
I just thought that you deserve to know they're coming for you. Um, yeah. So it basically looks like it's coming down to uh, the Baratheons and the Starks, which I think, think think is a little bit funny. I think there's someone else that they throw in there, but primarily these two seem to be the most important. Um, she even calls out Rhaenys and says, well, what of Driftmark? And she says, basically, I don't, I don't speak for my husband, but it does, again, look like they're going to be neutral because that's what, obviously that's what she has always urged her husband to stay. Uh, she doesn't believe in Jason Luke, obviously, is legitimate heir, heirs, and and um, you're not really sure what they're going to do. So, of course, Rainier just gives the generic, well, we pray for your husband's safe return, and we hope for your support. And she moves on, and Damon's just kind of like, you're just going to let that slide? And, <sighs> and, and again, you just go right back to this, and it's nothing but a bunch of men ready to go to war. I think that's really the theme of this whole thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, it, 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 yeah, they were ready to jump in and you know cut heads off and and do their thing, and you know, I think definitely, and we'll find, you know, we'll find out. I guess Renair is the, you said kind of maybe naive, you know, you threw that out there, but at the same time, she's she's almost like that calming to me anyway. Seems like she's more of like trying to be that calming influence, you know, and it yeah. could be you're right though. That could be the, the, because she's naive and she just don't know what to, you know, don't know what to do at this point. Yeah. And then one of the, the maesters, somebody basically points out and says, well, it's really going to come down to the dragons at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the dragons. Um, and like you said earlier, Damon just starts rattling off all the dragons, uh, talking about who's what and who's there. Um, even Rainis gets a little bit upset. She's like, wait, what are you counting? My, you know, she kind of looks at him like, <laughs> Right. I didn't say my dragon was at your disposal, uh, but he basically gets to the point of it is that he, the number that they have is essentially what thirteen to four, I think, in dragon count. Um, but Rainier does make a very good point. She says, "But none of our dragons have been to war," and right. obviously, I don't know a ton about dragons and, and what their fighting capabilities are, except for the little bit that we have seen here in, in Game of Thrones. But none of those in Game of Thrones have been to war. They seem to be do pretty good and except for when mm -hmm. they fought the white walkers um so again it just seems like rhaenyra is hesitant just to jump right into war you know she i i think at one point um i don't know if it's now or a little bit later but she does talk about not wanting to rule over a kingdom that's completely ashen which is Funny enough, yeah. because that's very similar to what Daenerys Tar Targaryen said until she decided to burn the shit out of it and try to <laughs> rule over a kingdom of ashes. Um, yeah. This next scene we jump into, I thought was interesting because you've got Otto rolling up to Dragonstone again. Very similar to, must have been the second episode where he sees Damon. Damon's trying to, you know, declare his he's going to be take a new wife and he's going to have a child and he should be the heir and all that. And I thought it was funny. Cause at that point I was like, man, Otto and these guys are about to get killed because Damon's got a dragon. And of course the person that swoops in to save Otto and talk shit to her uncle is Rhaenyra. And again, in this exact same scene, Rhaenyra swoops in on her dragon lands right behind Otto, but instead of defending Otto, she's, pinning auto in and it's this interesting just like we talked about Rainey's could have ended a lot of stuff she could have she could have really 
done some damage here. She could have killed Otto and these guards, really made a statement. Um, part of me was just hoping, again, I was just screaming at the TV, Jakaris, Jakaris, I hate Otto. <laughs> I think he's horrible. He's a pimp for his daughter. Yeah. He's, he's absolutely disgusting father. Um, but I thought it was interesting that in this arguing back and forth, you know, she she lets Otto deliver the message. That's from Allison. And the thing that I thought was interesting is he hands her a page from a book that they had ripped out in the first episode of this entire series. And it was to remind her that it's her childhood friend. And Otto leans into that. But it's almost like I feel that Allison is genuinely sincere. But Otto seems to be like Damon, and he wants war too. So he says it. I don't know if you got this feeling, but he definitely says this in a way. This whole message and everything that Allison sent him to deliver, I felt like he said it in a way that he was trying to poke the bear in a sense. He was he was he never made it seem sincere from Allison at all. It seemed like a game. Well, everything he does is a game. So it you know, it doesn't it makes perfect sense. Um that he would do that. And I agree. I, I think, I think you're right. I think he was trying to, um, you know, trying to poke the bear, like you said. Um, and the whole time, like, yeah, the whole time I'm like, there's nowhere for them to go. So let's, uh, yeah. I, I thought, man, is Otto going to get roasted right now, please? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but no, no, you're right. Like I said, it's just, you know, trying to, you know, deliver, deliver the terms and, and stuff like that. It's just the way he did it. It was just, Ugh. I, yeah, I don't, I don't like that guy. <laughs> yeah, and and I thought it was interesting. Is is he? You know, he says all your sons will be given high honors in court. Um, somebody will be the the squire for the king, the younger um, Aegon, and and all this stuff. And before Rhaenyra can even give an actual answer, Damon just speaks up and is like, "I'd rather feed my kids to the dragons than than let them be under your drunken waste of a son." Uh, grandson king and and that it's a joke and and they start talking and and Otto I thought it was interesting that we were already talking about the Tullys the Starks and the Brathians about how they're on the fence no one really knows where they're going to be and the pardons that Otto's offering to all the knights there to all the Targaryens there he openly tells them they're going to visit the other three houses and they are offering the same they're sending ravens they're offering the same thing to them for Stark, Tully, and Baratheon uh, to change their allegiance to Aegon. And Damon again, is just looks like he's ready to go. And, you know, Otto does try to point out, you know, we, we understand that we all bent the knee to you. The succession was supposed to go to you, but you gotta be, you gotta be realistic. It changed the day that your father had a son and you should have known this the entire time. And it's crazy. After all this, she rips off the the hand of the king pin. <laughs> so I'm, all, I'm like, did they just make? Did they just have like thirty of these in stock? Are they ready at all times? Right. Um, but she's she's very angry. She tosses this thing over the side. That Damon was again. Exactly funny. <laughs> yeah, Damon again. Everybody's ready to fight. But but once again, she after getting this note, reading the letter, seeing everything, she looks at Otto and says, "I will give my answer in the morn." And I was like, for a second, at least in this moment, I thought 
okay, maybe maybe Rainier is just like, fuck it. Like, I don't want to see my sons die. This war is stupid. This war is pointless. We're just going to break everything apart. And what's the point? Uh, what what are your thoughts to this whole thing? Where, where do you think Rainier stands at this point? Well, I so I guess to back up a little bit, when he he basically when Otto said that you know he, it was the uh, Stark Tully and Baratheons, um, Stark Tully and Baratheon that were they were considering the king's terms, um, meaning he basically kind of gave you know a sign that he hadn't nailed him down yet. And so where I where I what I thought was okay, well. He hasn't nailed him down yet. She goes, she notices that and says, okay, well, I'll, I'll give you my answer tomorrow. Meaning, and you know, obviously as this, as we keep talking about it, meaning, you know, I'm going to take my crack at him too. Yeah. And so that, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what I got from that. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'll give you that. I'm definitely with you there on that. Now we jump into the next scene. He goes right back into the council meeting. And this is where Rainier talks about not wanting to rule over a kingdom of ash and bone. Uh, they're again. They're arguing uh, what we're gonna do. Is the queen actually gonna accept the terms? And he says uh, to one of the lords, Lord Blatimos or something like that. I'm not. I'm not sure his, his his actual name here. But she says, "What is my actual duty as queen?" And they just kind of look. Store Lord Lord Bartimos, I think, is what his name is. And she says, "What's my duty as as queen of the realm? Is it to ensure peace and tranquility and all this great stuff in the realm?" Or is it to sit on the Iron Throne no matter the cost? And a lot of Game of Thrones was, the original series, was all about the power. It was, Mm -hmm. no matter the cost, I need to be on the Iron Throne. The Iron Throne above all. Now, what we've learned in this is Rhaenyra believes she should be queen to keep everything peaceful and the realm ready to fight this threat, as we know as the White Walkers later on that's what the dagger is that's what the dagger's for that's all this and damon is not on board he he but of course she doesn't say that damon's not on board they have a little spat and the now queen rainiera on this side uh basically tells everyone clear the room get out and her and damon are gonna have this have this out and i find it interesting as they start to talk back and forth he says that your duty as queen should be to crush the rebellion. You need to squeeze everybody out that's that's going to be in this. And it's all about the Iron Throne. And she says, you know, my oath reaches beyond our personal ambitions. And, of course, in this, she, you know, she's trying to allude to this dagger in this prophecy, the Song of Ice and Fire. And Damon says what? And I think for the first time she realizes that this is she was really chosen by her father because even his own brother doesn't know this story that it really is only supposed to be passed down to the next heir and he's talking about this dream and all this stuff and of course damon flips out and starts choking her and basically to prove a point that power power is is what controls the realm, not dreams and all these illusions. But it's because he really has no idea what she's talking about. I mean, he has zero clue what she's talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, no, he, I, I, when that, when that scene went down, you know, and and you could tell he's got that look on his face, like, what are you talking about? Um, And then, 
you know, he, he, he choked her, which I, I gotta be honest. That was, that was a pretty, uh, it was a pretty wild scene for me too. Mm-hmm. Um, all this, a couple scenes we've talked about and that one, uh, was probably the most, unfortunately the most tame. And that one was pretty, it was pretty wild too. The look on her face kind of, <laughs> kind of got me there, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, he, he, you know, it was obvious that, um, his brother never told him the story. Right. And so in my, you know, I think I, he didn't trust him. Um, and he didn't, he didn't think of, of his brother as a, as a true heir, um, you know, to, to the, to the, uh, I'm sorry, to the throne. And, uh, you know, just, it, it was a big, it was a big, big moment for me anyway. You know, and she, I think she, that's when she, like you said, she finally realized that, wow, like I, I'm, yes, I was, I was chosen. I was chosen for this. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, it definitely, you see this eye opening moment for her. Now, of course, we cut to the next scene and Lord Corliss has made it to Dragonstone. He's asleep. He's in bed. He's resting. And I thought it was funny. He, he kind of wakes up with a, a little chuckle. He, he sees his wife, sees Princess Rainey's sleeping on the chair, uh, waiting on, you know, watching over him. And he basically wakes her up saying, I've had men whipped for falling asleep on their post. And she wakes up and she's not really in a playful mood. She's kind of more angry, like, you left me when I needed you. And they have <laughs> this little, yeah, they have this little back and forth. Like he just, he felt like he lost every, everything. He lost his, his uh, sons and, and all this stuff. And she reminds him, no, you didn't lose everything. We lost everything. And it's like this, like, oh, and then she's like, oh, and by the way, your brother's dead too. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I thought that Corliss took this rather well, right? Because, she explained it honestly. She said, your brother was ambitious and um, ran his mouth to Viserys and said that your grandsons are not your grandsons. And of course, Corliss knows that they're not. They've already had this discussion. He cares about the name and all that. We've talked about this before. But mm-hmm. he takes it rather well. He's like, well, my brother always had these ambitions. You know, he's an idiot. And all I was right. like, oh, I guess he just was ready to move on. But it did break him. It did break Corliss. And I found it interesting. We, we talked about this a little bit, alluding to how Rhaenys has always pushed him to stay neutral, stay neutral, stay neutral, and he never wants to. But this was like the final straw, I think. He felt like, okay, I've got my granddaughters, got my grandsons. We're done. Like, let's just go back to Driftmark. You win. He's telling his wife she wins. I'm going to do what you've asked all these years. And we're out. It we're done. We're staying out of this. We're just going to be neutral. We have the largest fe- fleet. No one's going to mess with us. Of course, they have dragons to to cover their fleet. So you know, it it is an easy easy um, family to stay neutral. But Jason, I, I'll I'll let you take over here. What happens here that changes the storyline? What does Rainis do? Oh well. Um, obviously, you know, he admitted that she was right all along, which was uh, I thought was kind of. I thought it was kind of funny actually. <laughs> um, so basically we should, all, we should all just listen to our woman. We already know that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So basically he, he said, you know, again, he admitted like, you know, hey, essentially it's let's, let's, let's get out of here. But, um, but Renee's point, you know, Renee's points out, you know, kind of what we already know, right. That Renee is pretty good at being a queen so far. Um, she's, she's, exercising restraint um i think is what she said it or how she said it um and then she's you know kind of wants unity 
and um she has i mean really she has the best interest she well she thinks she has the best interest at heart for for the realm <clears throat> and i think that's uh, i think to me i think Rainice, that's what she um I think that's why, you know, because every time you see her standing behind Rhaenyra, she's got that glowing look on her face as she's staring at her like um, like she's proud, so to yeah. speak. You know what I mean? Especially that, hey, right now, a, yeah. Mm-hmm. She, yep, right, especially right now. And, and you know, she's she's the queen and and she know she knows, right? Because she wanted to she wanted to do that a long time ago. Uh, so I think once once she explained to him that, you know, hey, you know, I know I've been preaching, <laughs> let's just stay out of it and go home. Um, you know, all these years, let's just live out our life and, and be happy at home. Um, I think she realized that, you know, this, this truly was the best thing going forward was to, um, was to get on board with, uh, with Rhaenyra. Yeah. I found it interesting. The words, the words here that the, the writing in this scene, I thought was really good. Uh, Corliss basically says that girl destroys everything she touches. She was complicit in our son's death. And Rhaenys immediately cuts her off and says, that girl is the only thing holding the realm together at present. Like you said, all these men in this room are ready to go to war. And she is, like you said, holding her strength and trying to listen and trying to get all the information and deciding that maybe the best court um, course of action is not to uh, go into war. We need to s- sit back let things simmer down a little bit and maybe, maybe talking is the best way. And of course this point they switch back to the map room and you see them going at it again. Uh, all the Lords are talking and it just, it's just repetitive, right? It doesn't really feel like they're getting anywhere because Rainier is not going to go. Corliss comes in and you kind of, as a viewer, right? You already assume he's going to take Rainier aside, but he doesn't just jump right in and say, I'm with you. He wants to know the status he wants to know what's going on. I thought it was interesting. As he starts to talk, he looks around the room. He sees there now. He sees his two granddaughters take the side of his grandsons. He's also probably just learned from Rainey's. You got to imagine at this point, he's been up to speed that Rainey's has agreed to promise, you know, Damon's daughters are going to marry Rhaenyra's sons and, and all their betrothed. So he sees this like everything he believes in and the family staying together is happening. And his the granddaughters look genuinely happy. And the grandsons look genuinely happy. Everybody is where they want to be. So he goes through this whole spiel with Rainier and he wants to know. And then he eventually, you know, she talks about having this resport of all these, these houses. And he says, I hope that I have your support too. And he goes, like I said, he goes into his spiel and he talks about having the stepstones like he f- they conquered the stepstones just like him and damon did before with the the crab king i think was his name um mm-hmm. except this time instead of just conquering it he was smart which is what they should have done the other thousand times they've probably fought over this they set up a full garrison and a blockade and they control the narrow sea like they have it like no one's moving in there to stop the, the trade routes so they can basically pinch off king's landing and he also looks right at Rainier and he says, you'll have the full support of our fleet and house. And right there was the first time I thought, okay, Rainier is ready now. Like she's ready to really make a move because all of a sudden it was like the hope. Because I think that if Corliss, who she knows has kind of been against her sons, she's not stupid. 
She's not playing naive like her father did, like Viserys did. But him pledging full support, I think, changes the game. And I think it helps her believe in herself, too. You're, what, do you, what do you think? No, no, you're right. You're right. And, and, and then I think just kind of, you know, cause Renice kind of snuck in there and the, and the, you know, while he was explaining how, you know, we, you have full, you know, you have our fleet, you have full support. Um, and then when she snuck in there and said, yeah, I'll even patrol the uh, sea by air on my dragon. Um, that I thought, I thought it was pretty cool actually, but um, I, yeah, you, it was like a light bulb, you know, for me anyway, it was like, mm. you know, she's, there it is. Like she's, it's, it's getting bigger and bigger, you know, and now she has, you know, essentially one of her, you know, her biggest ally um, has her back. So uh, everything's kind of falling into place. Yeah, no, I found it interesting. Corliss is very confused. She's, he, he again falls right in line with the men immediately, even after hearing everything from his wife. Uh, what do you mean you're, so we're, we're still not going to war yet? What's, what's happening? And she's like, I, if war is to happen, it will not be by my hand first. Like basically she's like, I'm not, I'm not going to cast the first blow. Um, right. But I at least need to find out who my allies are. So she eventually says, okay, let's send Ravens to Winterfell, Erie, Storm's in. I need to find out where everyone is. And Jace speaks up out of place, which was funny to me. Because if you remember back in the first episode or maybe the second, it's either the first or second, I can't remember. Um, they want to send some people to talk to Damon on Dragonstone and Rhaenyra spoke up while she's serving the wine is like, send me, send the dragon riders. We can do this. Or, you know, or the, the crab King, I think is actually what was going on still send, send the dragons. We'll, we'll end this. And Viserys was very like, no, absolutely not. You're not going. And he kept trying to explain to her why she couldn't go as a child. So we have the exact same thing happen with her oldest son. Jace says, Send us. Dragons are faster than ravens. And, you know, we'll get the word out. We'll find out who the allies are. We'll secure these allies and we'll move on. And you see the hesitance in Rhaenyra. But Corliss speaks up and says the prince is right. And it's almost like she doesn't want to do this. And I don't know mm -hmm. if she's calling back to how frustrated she was that her father would never let her do anything. But it's like she's seeing her sons as men for the first time. And I think she's doing this a little faster than her father did with her to see her as a full grown woman and, and to make correct decisions. And obviously I, I would say Viserys was right. I mean, look, she went off to a brothel and she hooked up with, you know, um, Kristen Cole and uh, we're in the situation we are in now because of the stuff that she did that she thought she was grown enough to do. But yeah. maybe she did that in spite of her father, not believing in her as, as a grown woman. So she obviously takes a different path here. She agrees to let her sons go, but now she brings them out uh, as they're getting ready to get on their dragons to, to ride. Now she tells Jace to go to Winterfell and I think he's going to go to Winterfell and um, the, see the Tullys as well. But he's, mm -hmm. and she tells uh, Luke, which is the youngest, you're just going to go to Storm's End. You're going to see Baratheon. Uh, it's a shorter ride. It'll be easier. You'll be in and out and come right back. Now she brings them outside. Uh, Jason, break us down. What is the purpose of them having outside? What is she trying to get through to them? Uh, yeah, I, it, for me, it was like, you know, she just wanted to, she wanted to bring them out and 
kind of for me it was like the, the gravity of it all essentially get them away from you know in, the inside and just kind of um and just kind of talk the to testosterone them. that was going on at the table Ex- exactly yeah you say you know get them get them away from all the the warmongers essentially um you know and, and she made them swear that you know you're not going to fight you're not you're going there as um messengers only and you're not going to fight and she made them swear on a um well she called it the eyes of seven i'm it's not, i assume it's like a bible um but yeah she made them swear and they and they you know they put their hands on there right away and, and did their thing but yeah it was it was definitely <laughs> i could you know there it was it they had it was almost like another mother son moment a little bit he even said you know yes mother and then he corrected himself uh when he said you know my grace um but yeah it was it was kind of like a another moment like that for me just get them get them away from all the all the like i said warmongering adults and you know like you said all the testosterone and just get them get them out there where they're where they're comfortable with their mom Mm -hmm. yeah so it's interesting you see them fly off now of course we go in we start hearing this lullaby being sang and we see Damon uh, going down into some sort of crypt. Now, I immediately assume he's probably going to find one of the unclaimed dragons at this point. Uh, I have not seen the lore, watched any of the spoilers or Easter eggs to know exactly what dragon this is. But he goes down, he's singing this thing, and he finds this dragon that is massive down there clearly unclaimed i mean this thing looks scarred everywhere it was like he went and just i mean i would have to guess that this dragon has been in some sort of battle at some point looks like he had burns all over him and i really i really liked this as he kept singing uh the dragon breathes all this fire and you see them looking at each other's eyes they did this uh, a couple times in game of thrones of course i think with Tyrion when he goes and gets one of the dragons uh you see the reflection of daemon and the dragon's eye, and you see the reflection of the dragon in Damon's eye. So I thought the cinematography here and how they shot this really set the scene. But I, I, I'm guessing really all I have to pull from this is he's just trying to get another dragon that he can maybe claim. I don't know if he would ride this one or what's going on. Uh, do you have anything to add on this? I did. I did do some re, uh, kind of invest. You know, just kind of read on that. Sure. And from what from what I read, anyway, they think it's likely. Um, a dragon named Verm- Vermithor. I don't okay. know how you say it, Vermithor. Uh, it was written by King Jaehaerys. Um, okay. They think that, yeah, that preceded, you know, Viserys. So they mm-hmm. think that maybe that this is going to be that particular dragon. Um, and they did say it's really old. So it, it looked old and, and war-torn, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It definitely did. And, and they, they cut away from it pretty quick. So obviously that's a, a teaser for... Mm-hmm. going into next season at some point. Uh, I mean, they'll go back to that. Now, of course, we see cut right to the skies. Jace is flying in. Uh, he's about to land uh, for the Baratheons. It's very stormy, right? Uh, it's crazy. You've got the, the guards out front. Um, he jumps off his dragon. Now, as he jumps off his dragon, he hears something. So he looks over to the side. And who does he see, Jason? Uh, yeah, the, the, another huge dragon. <laughs> uh, he's, yeah, um, Vagar is there. Vagar. Not which, sure how he missed it flying in, but. Yeah, I uh, mean, this, okay. and, and again, <laughs> it shows you, because he brought his dragon, he lands right there by the door, and <laughs> it really shows, again, the scale of Vagar. 
I mean, he would not have fit in yeah, that opening no. that that he that he landed his his dragon, and you can see Jace, uh, uh, sorry, not Jace, uh, Luke is already feeling nervous. You can see the nervousness that he has. I'm sure he knows that Aemond is there already. Uh, why else would Vagar be there? He he's not completely stupid. He walks in, and of course he looks over, and him and Aemond already make eye contact right away. And it starts this theme. It, it, it brings back this theme about how everything's about the children, right? Uh, a lot of the parents and adults have kind of moved this side, and, and they could probably settle this. If this was just Damon, Alicent, Rhaenyra, uh, Corliss, Rhaenys, if they could make all the decisions without all the other outside influences, and the and and a lot of the way that their children behave is because of their actions in the past. Right, the children are just a reflection of them, so they've got all this hate. But the adults have kind of moved on, but the kids have not. Uh, of course, Luke is is the one that that caused Damon to lose his eye. And one thing I found it found interesting, and I and I did look this up because I thought this was a recurring theme. So I tried to to find a little information. I got this from Screen Cut Crush. It kind of confirmed it. I, I went back through and watched all the episodes. Um, uh, all his spoiler Easter egg episodes from episode one on. And he talked about how this series seems to be all about the number two because you've got tons of twins, whether it's the Eric's, the Lannisters, uh, the, the twin girls from, from Damon. And then you've got uh, the second. It's always about the second sons. Otto is a second son. Damon is a second son. Uh, Luke is a second son. Aemond is a second son, and all four of these guys specifically, uh, Corliss, again, a second son, they, they're all feel like, and even Laris, the little weasel lurking around King's <laughs> Landing, is a second son. They all feel like they have to prove something. Nothing can is, is you know given to them. They're second rate. They're afterthoughts, so they've got to go above and beyond and prove, and sometimes it's with their fighting. Sometimes it's with their words. Sometimes it's with their... It's just something that always... It's constant back and forth. They, they can't be content with where they are. And we saw this at the very beginning with Otto and Damon, and it is just trickled down all the way through. So something to relate here in this. Now, of course, Luke basically goes through and tells Baratheon exactly what his mom wants. Now, it's funny that Baratheon keeps referring to her. Uh, Lord Boros just keeps referring to her as the princess. And Luke keeps correcting him and saying, she's the queen. Right. And I do give Boris a little credit here. He entertains this. He, he seems to be, he, he wants to hear the whole thing. I did find it funny that he gets the message and he can't read it in typical Baratheon form. So he has to get the maester to come in to read it because he genuinely, like you couldn't have read that if he wanted to, right? That's, that's what you're supposed to take away from here. Uh, Aemon's keeping his mouth shut. He's just standing over there. He's by one of the daughters of Lord Boros. Now, at the end, when he figures out that what this is, what does Boros say to Luke, Jason? What does he basically throw right out there? Oh, well, he was obviously um, super offended um, by the by the letters tone. I guess you want you want to call it. Um, and he points out that um, essentially, you know, Aegon offered to marry um, Aemon to one of his, uh, one of the Boros daughters. Um, and that's something that, you know, Luke essentially cannot 
cannot match. Um, and basically dismisses him pretty, uh, pretty rudely, actually. Uh, yeah, he says, I've thought, already, I'm already, I'm already betrothed to someone. I, I, right, I can't yeah, do that I'm, even if I, I want to, like, cannot do it. All right. Um, and so he basically, yeah, he just, he just but essentially shoot him away. Um, which I, again, you know, after watching Game of Thrones, it, it seems like this family, <laughs> they're just, um, they're just all kinds of belligerent and probably alcoholics and you know yeah, and, uh, yeah. uh, and just kind of just kind of rude overall people and Absolutely. it's funny too because it, it he it as soon as he started talking it, it reminded me of of um you know of, of the king from game of thrones yeah, exactly um, obviously you know you know many generations down but it's like wow they haven't changed one yeah. bit or they didn't change one yeah bit. <laughs> they did not change that at all now i find it interesting is is luke tries to he, he does listen to his mother's words he says, um, I'm just here as the messenger. I will take your message to the queen. Well, he says, again, he says princess. He reminds him, he, Luke, you know, reminds him it's it's uh, the queen. And he's trying to leave. And, of course, Eamon finally speaks up. He's not, he's not having it. He basically tells Luke, uh, I want you to cut your eye out. He throws a dagger down to the ground. He pulls his eye patch back. And you finally see the, um, the stone that he has in his eye the sapphire stone that he, that he put in his eye. And I mean, it's funny how Eamon, Eamon's very calm. He's almost like Damon like, right. As, as we saw earlier in, in the series that, uh, yeah, just take your eye and, uh, I'll take it back to my mom and you can go about your way. I'll even let you cut it out yourself. Right. That was, which I gotta say, putting a sapphire in there was, was actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I guess if you're gonna, you know, but why were the past that point? Like, why don't you just, rock the rock the sapphire so everybody knows you you have it in there know. you know it's almost like um, he wanted to make this reveal you know he knew it was coming yes yeah yeah you're right um but yeah like you said he it obviously luke wasn't having nothing to do with it um he just wanted to leave he was he made an oath you know to his mom and he just wanted to leave um and Eamon was not having it and he, I, I thought for a split second I thought, all right, what something's going, something bad's going to happen here. Yeah, um, and then of course, little Burrow stepped in and said, Mm-mm-mm, "This is not happening on my floor." Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I thought no. that was that was interesting by him. You know, if if he's already, I thought I'm with you. I thought, okay, something bad's about to happen because if he's already basically telling Luke, I'm aligning with Aegon. Sorry, right. Um, I kind of thought he would just stay out of it, and if Aemon was going to do what he wanted to do, he just you know, not, not defend Luke, but no, he's, he tells his guards to let Luke get out to his dragon and go. Of course, the storm there is just absolutely crazy. And Luke gets on his dragon. He starts to fly away. And you could, you just knew this wasn't going to be easy for Luke, right? You, yeah. I mean, with the music ramping up, I think you, I think everybody just knows. And of course, as he's flying away into the storm, he's constantly, constantly looking over his shoulder and Jason, I'll let you kind of lead us into this. I know you look like you already look like you're just raring to go. You're you're hyped up about this scene already. But uh, what happens from here? Yeah, so you could see as soon as he walked out to his dragon, his dragon was a little uneasy already. Um, and so I, you know, I thought, well, obviously the storm, because like you said, the storm was insane. Um, and then maybe the dragon was obviously a little n- nervous, I guess 
being that there was a monster behind him. Um, you know, while he was inside, he was, you know, the dragon was uh, essentially chilling out in the yard with, with a monster dragon across the wall. Um, but yeah, it, he got on and, and you could just tell the whole thing was uneasy. Like he was nervous. The dragon was, you know, fighting through the rain and, and, mm-hmm. um, now his dragon is, Air, is Arax and, you know, like you said, he, he definitely was nervous. Now Luke did a good job. He got him to focus. He calmed him down mm-hmm. right at the beginning. He's, he's, you know, he's saying the Valerian to him and the high Valerian. And, and, uh, it seems like it's going to go, but as he's flying, what do we see next? Yeah. As he's flying, you keep looking, right. As he's looking back and, you know, you're watching the screen and you're like, Oh man, when's, uh, when's Eamon going to come up on his dragon and, and, uh, you know, and essentially go top gun on him. Yeah. Um, and then when he soared over him, the camera kind of panned up and you saw him like just soar over him. That was actually pretty, it was actually a pretty, pretty cool scene for me. But when he soared over him, I, I thought, Oh, here we go. This is uh we're about to have a, a dog fight um, with, with a couple dragons. And again, it's still poor Luke, right? I mean, the mm-hmm. kid is what 14, I think is what, is what his mom said. Yeah. And, and he's young and he's on a, a young inexperienced dragon, I guess um, about to come, you know, face to face with, um, I guess, Eamon's what his uncle. Yeah. His uncle. Uh, cousin, um, no, yeah, cousin, un- cousin, uncle, uncle, because they would be Rhaenyra's brothers, right? Rhaenyra's brother, right. Rhaenyra's so, brothers, so uncle, yeah. So he's about to come face to face with his with his uncle, who obviously wants to, you know, harm him, and then a very very large dragon who could probably send probably shoot him out of the sky <laughs> if he if he you know they, if he yeah. really wanted to. Um. So yeah, is there? You know they're flying around and and they they come in contact and he and and Eamon with his little what do you want to call it his evil laugh yeah you can kind of hear it echoing like through the evil sky and, laugh yeah yeah I thought yeah, it was I, I thought it was interesting because I agree with you you said something very important that I I, I think is important to the scene this long scene that it gets shot Eamon is in Vagar he's clearly a hundred times the size of Arax it seems like at least the way they shoot this. And well, we know he, we know he's larger. And you said something where you said he could clearly take out Arax and Luke anytime he wanted to, which tells mm. you he just wants to scare him. I truly believe at this point, Eamon has Eamon has no intention of actually hurting Luke. He just wants to scare the living crap out of him. You got to remember, Luke was a part of the 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 runt that you know laughed at him and gave him the pig as the dragon. This is, you know, Eamon's finally on the side where he can he can be the bully now. You know, Luke, Luke is someone that bullied Eamon when they were younger, unfortunately. Uh, he probably just following along with his brother and Aegon. But, you know, Eamon, Eamon doesn't forget that. And I think he knows that he has all the power, like you said. He just wants to scare him. Now, I thought Luke did a great job. Uh, like, you, you know, you bring up a lot of Top Gun at references, but he, he flies his dragon down into the canyon. And uh-huh. it kind of looks like he's he's going to be able to get away. Like I said, you, you see, um, you hear the laughing, you see all this stuff. Now, as the, as Luke is flying around and Eamon is yelling out about owing a debt and he's, he's kind of yelling at him all of the sudden, it seems like Luke, 
you hear Luke yelling, no, Arax, serve me. I mean, he is screaming at his dragon. But what does his dragon do instead, Jason? Yeah, he, he essentially, he lost control of, of um, Arax. And um, Arax had, had enough, essentially, of, of uh, getting chased by a big, by a big dragon. And he, uh, he hit, um, he hit Aegon's, or, um, Aemon's dragon in the face with, uh, with fire. Yeah, he uh, he essentially went rogue and and breathed fire on uh, on Vagar, and immediately you see. I found it interesting because you see that uh, as as Luke is trying to regain control of his dragon, uh, Aemond starts to lose control of his dragon. He's mm-hmm. already screaming at Vagar, "No, no, 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 no! Didn't serve me, didn't serve affect me, us. Yeah. Serve me!" And you're like, "Okay, something bad is clearly about to happen." And we get this moment of where where Luke starts to regain control of his dragon, and they get up to the clear skies. It was like a plane getting out of the storm, and all of a sudden it was like this just peace and serenity. And I thought for for a small second, I kind of thought, okay, he's in the clear. He got away. He's probably higher than Vagar might be able to fly because he's smaller. But uh, Jason, go ahead and bring us home with this scene. Well, like you said, I, I thought. You know, he's up above the storm. They're cruising. Um, just, I thought, okay, this is this is it. They got out. They're they're in the clear. You know, maybe uh, maybe Eamon just he he had his fun. You know, it's time to go home. And um, that's definitely not what happened. <laughs> um, Vagar uh, came up out of nowhere and uh, just chomped him in half. The dragon, Luke. Um, just, I mean, literally bit, bit them in half and yeah. just tossed them out and just kept, kept flying. And, mm. and, and just as, as you heard Luke call out to Arax, no, during this whole thing, Amy is screaming at Vagar to <coughs> not do this. Mm-hmm. And you see that they lost, they have no control over these dragons and it kind of brings you back to the beginning where Viserys tells has tells Rhaenyra, we don't it's a it's a facade. It's fake. We don't really control the dragons. Everyone just thinks we control the dragons. Right. And I think for the first time you really see this happen here. Now, as Vagar or as Aemon Aemon looks back and he sees the dragon, like you said, cut in half and Luke is gone, and they're just falling back to earth. Um, Eamon definitely has this look on like, oh shit. I messed up. <laughs> yeah, I, I messed up. And and you gotta imagine at this point, Eamon is probably trying to decide, like, this is this is this is this is it. Like he either has to own this or whimper down. And we're not really, you know, as at this point, we can imagine what we think he's gonna do, but we don't really know what he's gonna do. But you definitely see a look on Eamon of of not necessarily like, ha I won, I'm a badass. He has a look of fear, and and I, I I'm not sure what just happened. And for us as the audience, we definitely know that they these dragons have a mind of their own, and if they want to do what they want to do, there's nothing anyone can do to stop them. Well, exactly. I mean, it's like anything else. I mean, if you know anything about animals, I mean, they people will bring. You know, they'll go out and find baby wolves, you know, in the wild and they'll raise them as dogs in their house. 99% of the time, they're going to they're going to do something 
that a wild animal would do, even though you've tried to domesticate it. And that's immediately what I thought of with the dragons. And then even, you know, even in, um, in Game of Thrones, you know, she lost control of, of, you know, of, um, was it one or one or two? Yeah, Drogon. The she one, couldn't, she one, couldn't yeah, control yeah, Drogon, Drogon right. especially with right, the exactly. they're feeding and they always needed to yep. eat. And she was terrified. She didn't understand why, they, you know, the dragon would just kill on exactly. its own without her saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I, I immediately thought of, of that in particular when it came to uh, that scene. Uh, you know, just they, they both lost control and uh, they, 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 they both put the dragons in, in positions that were, was just, you know, flying through thunderstorms and you're, you're having a dog fight in the air with, you know, with, with, with essentially kids on your back, you know what I mean? And they just, and then when A-Rex, when A-Rex shot him with the, um, with the fire, <laughs> Vagar was like, no, we're not, uh, uh-uh, you're yeah, he out. was, he so, definitely wasn't having it. And, and Vagar no. knew he could, he could do what he wanted. Um, now I'm going to bring us to the final scene, which I thought was, was really well done. It was really well shot. It brings you full circle from episode one. Uh, you see they're back at the around the table, the map there in Dragonstone, and you see uh, we kind of follow as, as Damon walks by everyone slowly. Not a lot's going on. He looks very somber, almost defeated. He walks up to Rhaenyra. He kind of pulls her away. You, Their backs are to us as they look over the fire. At this point, you got to imagine he is giving her the news that uh, Luke is dead. Um I'm not exactly sure how they would know it went down, but I yeah, I, I imagine this, he's saying exactly what happened, and you got to you know I'm sure they know that Amond is the one that did it. Um, and then uh, as you see the queen, uh, she kind of looks like she's going to collapse, and you know for an entire episode, all we've done is praise her for being calm, collective, calculated. It's about what's the best for the realm. It's not about the power. It's not about revenge. It's about all this stuff. And as our closing scene, she turns around and her face, just like it was in episode one, we get the closing scene of her looking directly into the camera. The only thing on the camera is her face. And she just has this. Uh, the only thing I can compare this to, I'm not, a, I'm a father. I'm a, uh, um, obviously I'm not a mother. And they always say a mother has, you know, is going to be way worse. But as a parent, it was like this look of screw the rest of the world. I don't care about anybody in this world anymore. I'm going to go after every single one of them. And that, at least to me, that's the image that she has. And of course it fades to black. And that is the end of season one. Uh, I immediately thought of Daenerys Targaryen. I guess at the end, um, when she just kind of went, you know, full on psycho and and burned everything down. Um, that's what I. Th- I mean, I, I I guess we'll find out. I guess what happens. But yeah, when she turned around, I, I said, "Oh, it's it's full on civil war time. Like it's it's go time." Yeah, so, absolutely. Can't wait, can't wait for now. Can't wait for season two. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. I definitely can't wait for season two. So. Uh, I know this was our last episode following uh, the different episodes that we've had this year. Uh, I know Ender has some plans as news comes up, production news, things like that. Ender's going to keep the podcast going off and on throughout the offseason. I'm sure we'll bring Jason back in a few times. We'd love to hear your thoughts, uh, buddy, on, uh, you know, as they release trailers or teasers here and there as we prepare for season two. But 
If that final scene with the dragons, I don't know what you think, is any indication. Some of their work with the CGI and the dragons and stuff this season I thought was really, really well. you got to imagine it's going to continue to get better. Um, this Dance of the Dragons, it's about to happen. It it looks like their HBO is going to do a phenomenal job. I think they're going to nail it. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see all these dragons go to war with each other. Yeah, something that, you know, when you said something about the CGI, something that caught my eye when Luke came back out of, um, from meeting with the Lord, he came out and he's about to get on his dragon. I know this is, it's going to sound weird, but it's, it's something small, but it really caught my eye. They were in, you know, that terrible rainstorm. Yeah. And just as they're about to take off, the dragon shakes the water off his face. I don't know why I caught that, <laughs> but it's just, it's the little stuff like that, that I, that I'm, that I just can't wait for. You know what I mean? Like I, I, that's the stuff I want to, I want to see. And like you said, with the dragons, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what they can conjure up with, uh, you know, when, when, when everything starts going down here soon with the, with the dragons and, you know, the war and stuff like that. But yeah, no, it's, I agree. It's the little stuff like, you know, like that, just the CGI that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. But if you didn't catch it, you should go back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, no, I'm going to look it, it up. Just, I'm definitely going to look it up because I, I think they've done a phenomenal job with the CGI. It's interesting. It's, it's interesting how far it has come over the years. For the, dra- sure. the dragons look amazing. I, I even, you know, even in game of Thrones, I thought they, they looked really, yeah. really good. And they're even obviously better now. Cause we're, Oh man, what are we? eight, nine years ago from the first time a dragon maybe made its uh, debut. So it's, um, yeah, I just the, the face, the facial expressions and, and the, the just everything. I love it. I, I really do. <laughs> all right, Jason. Well, I think I'm going to sign us off here. Uh, you guys can find me at James the third on all social media platforms and uh, my, the main podcast I host, which is parents for gaming and uh, Jason, where can they find you? Uh, I am at Fire the Cannon at F one R E the Cannon, and um, obviously uh, you can check me out on Six One Four and Beyond. I'm actually gonna Wednesday gonna do a about a seven or eight game. Well, I guess eight game now. Uh, will be an eight game recap on the Blue Jackets, and uh, we're also gonna talk some Buckeye football. So should be uh, should be pretty fun. Can't wait to the hey, there and we look start yakking about sports. Yeah, we definitely look forward to hearing that podcast. Of course, you can find that on the Last Choice Network along with any of our other podcasts. Uh, If you are watching on YouTube, you can find us on any audio platform, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all of them, uh, any of our podcasts, or you can look at lastchoicenetwork.com. And if you're listening on audio, please look us up on YouTube. We love the likes, the follows, uh, anything you guys can do, drop comments. And if you want us to cover a different TV show or something you're excited about or you have comments, good or bad, or how you want the direction of any of our podcasts, podcast to go please reach out to us uh we do these for fun but we also do them because we know some of you guys listen and you really enjoy so we want to make it what's best for you with that being said uh this has been the last choice tv reviews house of the dragon season one episode 10 and with that being said on behalf of jason ender and myself hope you guys have a great rest of the morning afternoon or evening whatever you're listening we'll talk to you later